0: Well, God is so good, isn't he? God is so good. He, he is so ready to meet us. I've always said that that Bible camps are our church's best discipleship programs. You know, it, it really is. Um, the, the investment, whatever investment we put in to Bible camps, whether through our finances, through our prayers, through our time, we really can't even begin to quantify how God multiplies that. And, and the work he does in, like, like Taylor said, you know, in, in the lives of so many campers, and she could have kept going for another hour on the changes that that he worked in campers' lives, but to also the work that you so well, you said so well, the work he does in us when we go there, and the transformation when we are literally Jesus' hands and feet to, to those who are broken and hurting, who haven't heard the gospel, it's life-changing for us, and... Uh, I'm, so, I'm just so happy to hear how God met you, Taylor, and, and is working in your life. We're so excited. And as a, and as a church family, the, the Bible says when someone rejoices, we rejoice with them, and we rejoice with you in what God's done in your life. So we're just so happy. TNBC's TMB, theme verse for the summer was Psalm 119, verse 105. Has anyone got that verse memorized? I hope you do. If you don't, you can cheat. It's in, the, it's in the front of your bulletins. It's our call to worship this morning. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so in the very first chapel last Sunday night, this is, this is uh, sermon 13 for me this week, so I hope I've got some gas left in the tank. But in sermon one for the week, last Sunday evening at the chapel, I stressed to the campers the importance of this God's word, why it's the truth, why, why it can be trusted, why it's reliable that this verse describes to us that this word is a light in the darkness. You see, we don't need light when it's bright. We need light when it's dark. And we live in a dark world, and so God has given us his word to be that light, to guide our feet, to guide our path. And so through the confusion and the darkness of this world, it penetrates into the darkness, and it also penetrates into the darkness of our own hearts and souls, and it cuts through giving us the truth of God. And so there, as I, was, as I was stressing this last Sunday night in the chapel, I just on the spur of the moment, I wanted to instill in them how important God's Word is and how ready and alive it is to speak to us. And so I began every chapel by getting them to hold up their Bibles and repeat after me, this is my Bible, it is alive and active, and it is for me today. And so I want to invite you to join me in, in doing that here today. So if you have your Bible, take it, hold it up, and i want you to don't be timid let's shout it out We pretend we're at camp here if you were at camp you'd shout it out with the kids all right repeat after me this is my bible it is alive and active and it is for me today let's pray father we thank you for your word and we thank you that it is alive and active it is powerful And by your Holy Spirit, you use it to penetrate our hearts, to convict us of sin, to bring us to a place of repentance, and then to be washed in the wonderful grace, the wonderful light and love of your presence. Thank you. Thank you for the the testimony Taylor just shared with us. We praise you for it. Thank you for working in her life and through her life this past summer. I could see it firsthand, Lord, of how you are working through her. And so we just pray that you continue to uphold her, Lord, as she moves forward from camp and into, into school once more into, or into a new phase of life, uh, whatever that is. Give her uh, what she needs to continue in this walk with you, Lord, in a new way. I pray for all of the youth who worked at camp this summer. I think of, of uh, Paul and Luke, of Caden and Mitchell and Maddie and uh, others from our youth group who have worked at camp this summer as well. Lord, I know that you've done a work in their lives as well, and so we just pray that you'd continue to go with them even as they transition from, from camp to school uh, to work or wherever they're going. We pray that in the, the normal letdown after camp that you would not allow them to go too far down, Lord, that you will just remind them that you're there just as you were with them at camp. You're there with them in school or wherever they go, so continue to walk with them and strengthen them. May we also as a church family be there to strengthen and support and to continue to uphold in prayer all of the decisions that were made this summer. Lord, we know that when your word goes forth and the seed is scattered, that you told us that so often it's in the aftermath of the seed just springing up that that's when the birds come or the thistles and the weeds grow up to choke it out. And so we pray, Lord, that as your word has gone forth, that you would protect it, that you would guard it from the evil one who's so ready to to snatch it away or choke it out, that it could truly grow into maturity, that its roots would go deep, and that it it too would produce a harvest of righteousness. And so we pray for this, Lord. And now I pray for each one of us as we hear your word this morning. Speak to us through it by your spirit. Speak through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And verses 4 to 16, Jamie read, read it for us earlier, but let's read it once more. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, if those words weren't so familiar to us, they would surprise us. They might even shock us. Why? Because repeatedly throughout Scripture, it is not Christians, but Jesus who is referred to as the light of the world. Matthew quotes from the prophet Isaiah in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has shined. John, of course, famously describes Jesus as the light of the world in his opening to his Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verses 1 to 5. We read this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus himself made reference to this in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he said of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so it is clear that Jesus is the light. And yet here in the Sermon on the Mount, he flips the script when one day he takes his disciples aside and he says to them, you are the light of the world. So how can this be? How can this be that Jesus is the light who has come into the darkness and yet he now turns and says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. How can this be? There's a story of a little boy who was sitting in a church with his mother, and as he looked around at the the beauty of the stained glass windows that surrounded the sanctuary, his curiosity got the best of him, and he asked her, who are all these people in the pictures? To which his mother replied, they are the saints. And then sensing that this was a, a teachable moment, the mother asked her little boy, do you know who the saints are? And the little boy pondered the question for a moment and then responded, yes, they are the people the light shines through. Good answer, isn't it? An excellent answer. Who are the saints? It is the people who Jesus' light shines through. Just like the light shines through a stained glass window, so too Jesus' light shines through our lives. We are now the light of the world as his saints. Now, you might still have trouble considering yourself as a saint. You know, we usually reserve the title of saint for someone who is extremely good. You know, the, the Roman Catholic Church has set the precedent for that with only certain people receiving the title of saint. But throughout the New Testament, it's made as plain as day that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are a saint according to God's word. You are a saint who the light of Jesus is designed to shine through. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 describes the church with this very lofty language. Listen to what Peter says. A familiar passage again. Apply this to your own life. This is what God says about you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This lofty language is describing you. It's describing me. It's describing the church. We who have gone from death to life, from sin to salvation, from darkness into light. We are now, according to Jesus' own words, we are now the light of the world. You see, when Jesus ascended and returned to the right hand of the Father in heaven, he, in a sense, passed the torch on to each one of his followers. Each one of his disciples received a torch. And he said to them just before leaving, go into all the world. Go, take this light forth into the darkest corners of the world. And now, we often wondered at this strategy, and his disciples did, well, where where are you going? Why would you leave us? And then Jesus even tells them, it'll be better for you if I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. And in doing so, his master plan was that he return to the Father, but that through the Spirit and his presence, his light burning in us, he would multiply himself exponentially. And so Jesus, as only one physical man, could only be in one physical place at a time. But by returning to the Father, passing the torch to each one of his followers, he multiplied himself and he sent his his presence forth in each one of us into the darkest corners of the world. Isn't that an incredible, amazing plan? Who but God could have thought of something like that? And so if Jesus said it is true, it must be true. You and I are the light of the world. And so the question that remains, as his presence shines through our lives into the world as the light, the question we must ask ourselves is, am I burning bright? Is the torch he's given me burning brightly? Are you taking the light of Jesus into the darkness? Or are you only letting your lamp burn where there are other lamps already burning? You see... Lamps aren't needed where the sun is shining. We don't turn on the lights in our house at midday. No, we wait until the darkness descends, for that is when we need the light. You see, light serves a very specific function to dispel the darkness. And so when the darkness descends, we turn on the lights. And so if we as Christians who have been given the light of Jesus, the torch he's passed each one of us, if we only hold it up at midday... Only in places where the light is already shining, who will take that light into the darkness? For you see, if we only shine the light in church or around other Christians, we are effectively doing what Jesus warned against when he said, you don't put it under a bowl to hide it away. You see, if we hide our light from the darkness, then how will they ever see the light? How will people lost in darkness be able to do anything but continue to grope away blind and lost without hope unless someone shows them the light? Believe it or not, you as a disciple of Jesus and we as his church collectively, we are God's secret weapon. We are his plan A to bring his light into the town of Killarney into the province of Manitoba, into the nation of Canada, and to the outermost parts of the world. We are God's plan A, and get this, he doesn't have a plan B. We are it. His church is it. That is Jesus' plan to shine his light to the nations, including the nation of Canada and the town of Killarney. However, when we hide our light, Not only will the world continue in darkness, but there is also a danger to ourselves as well. In Matthew chapter 25 verse 14, Jesus told the parable of the talents. And it illustrated the point that when God the master has departed, what he expects from his servants is that they be found faithful with what he has entrusted them with. And so we know how the, the parable goes, we're familiar with it. The servant who received five talents when the master returns, he's used it wisely, he's doubled it. He gives him ten talents in return. The servant who received two talents, he also invested it wisely, doubled it, and gave his master four talents upon his return. But then the servant who only received one talent, he was afraid of losing it. He was afraid of, of receiving the, the anger of his master if he somehow invested it foolishly and so afraid of losing it he buries it in a hole and then when his master returns he only gives him the single talent back saying to his master here is what you have entrusted with me it's safe and sound now does the master praise the servant's caution say yeah you know these were tough economic times it was a good thing to just hold on to that talent you were prudent you were safe does he praise him for that no he doesn't in fact he gives him a scathing rebuke and a harsh indictment. Listen to what he says to him. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have at at least received what was my own with interest. So now take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And now take this worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we have each been given talents by God to invest in growing his eternal kingdom of light. We have each been given his light to shine in the darkness. But Jesus gives a stern warning to that servant to the torchbearer who hides the talent or fails to shine the light. Who here remembers the the old TV show Survivor? Anyone remember that show Survivor? Yeah, Survivor was the original reality TV show. In, In fact, it was so popular it spawned the whole, for good or bad, mostly bad, but it spawned the whole reality TV era which we've been living in for the last 15 years or so. And so when Survivor first came out, it was revolutionary. And I remember when it first came out, I used to watch it all the time. You know, that was before it's like, I don't know what season it's in, but probably like 125 or something like that. But in the early seasons, I I wouldn't miss an episode. And each episode would follow a familiar template. There would always be some, you know, the teams formed and they got to do some some practical skills to try to survive on the island. And then there would always be the political jockeying intention to make alliances to see who at the end of each episode was going to be voted off the island. Because you see how the, the show worked. It was a competition to see who could be the sole survivor, the last person standing on the island. And so each Each week, they would eliminate someone, and the way they did that was everyone on the island would cast their vote against someone, and the person who had the most votes cast against them would be asked to leave the island. They had to leave. And so the show would always build the suspense until the very final moment of each episode when it was revealed who had been voted off the island. And there was always this sense of finality when the host, Jeff Probst, would walk over to someone's torch... And he would say the dreaded words, the tribe has spoken, it's time for you to go. And then he would have this this, uh, this snuffer in his hand and each person would have a torch and he would hold out the snuffer and he would put it over the person's flame and their torch would go out. In a similar way, the Christian who is hiding their light away is running a similar risk. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. You don't answer to me. You answer to him. For he is the one who said of you and I, you are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. You take that light and put it on its stand to give light to everyone in the house. But don't hide it away. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't put it under a bowl. You are the light. Burn bright. And so, are you shining his light in this world? Are you reflecting his glory into the darkness that surrounds us? And one of the things that people might argue is well, things aren't so dark, are they? We've got a lot of light around here. Well, that depends on our circles. Are we only staying where there's light, or are we going into the darkness, taking that torch with us? You know, this past week at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp alone, I heard the stories of dozens of youth and amongst those dozens of youth there were stories like the one girl who came with a suicide note packed in her suitcase, the story of the other girl who was wrestling with her gender identity wondering if she could become gender neutral because she wasn't so happy with the way she was. There was another girl with debilitating anxiety, there were multiple multiple cases of severe depression, And multiple youth telling me about their parents' divorce and broken homes that they were a part of. And now let me ask you, where would the majority of these youth have heard about God's salvation, love, grace, and healing if not for the ministry of Turtle Mountain Bible Camp? If not for this church partnering with many other churches to strategically and intentionally shine the light of Jesus into the lives of our children and our youth? Think of the ministry of Turtle Mountain Bible Camp as well as each one of our lives as a giant mirror reflecting God's light into the darkness, for that is exactly what he has designed us to do. Someone shared with me not that long ago about a town in Norway that has done this on a very practical level, and I I looked up the story, and the following is an incredible true account taken from a 2013 CNN news article that reads... A sun-starved Norwegian town has finally seen the light by installing giant mirrors on the surrounding mountains to reflect rays down onto its market square. The small town of Yukon sits down in the narrow Vesford Valley in the Telemark region southwest of Oslo, Norway. The towering mountain peaks that surround the town rise almost 2,000 meters above sea level and block out the sunlight for over half of the year, no direct rays of sun touched the town for over six months, meaning that UCAN residents live in a permanent shadow from September until March. But all that changed in 2013 with the official launch of a project first envisioned over a century ago. Three high-tech mirrors with a combined reflective surface of 50 square meters have been put into operation on a ridge on a mountaintop brightening up the previously gloomy town center by flooding it with up to 600 square meters of sunlight. 21st century technology has made the 850,000 euro project possible, with heliostats, computer-powered mirrors, shifting every 10 seconds to track the movement of the sun during the day, reflecting and focusing its rays back down into the sun-starved town below. Isn't that just so cool? What, what they can do with, with human imagination and utilizing technology. And what a perfect picture of what we as Christians are called to do to a world that's down in the valley, down in the dark, away from the light. Listen to what Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him, As we are changed into his glorious image. You see, we, like those mirrors, we are designed to reflect the glory of the Lord. You are the light of the world. You were made to shine. You were designed by God to burn bright in this dark world. Not just on Sunday around other Christians. He didn't just tell us to be the light of the church. In fact, he never even said that. He said to be the light of the world. And the world is in darkness. So we are the light of the world. The light of work. The light of school. The light of shopping. Not just Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of light. And because of this church's, along with many others, commitment to being the light of Jesus in the province of Manitoba, this week at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp and many other camps... The light is shining, and it has shone into the darkness. And so it's with so much gratefulness and thankfulness of heart that I can relay to you that those kids that I talked about earlier, where they were bringing their darkness and their baggage and their brokenness with them to camp, I can tell you that the girl who brought the suicide note with her to camp, she gave it to me on Saturday morning and said, I want you to burn it. The girl who was struggling with her gender identity shared in chapel, I now know who I am in Christ. The girl with the debilitating anxiety also spoke up in chapel and said, It hasn't entirely gone away, but now I know that no matter how bad I feel, I can trust that God is taking care of me. And one teenage boy from a broken home stood up on Saturday morning at the farewell chapel and in the presence of his mother and his younger siblings who had arrived to pick him up, boldly said, I said yes to Jesus this week. I know what this decision means and I'm ready to follow him. These stories are just the tip of the iceberg. And who knows how many more seeds haven't been planted in hearts that haven't yet sprung up. God is changing lives today, and here's the most humbling and wonderful part is he uses us. He uses us as his disciples, his light bearers, those who the light shines through, those who reflect his glory. We are used to be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring Jesus' light into the darkness to change lives. As we close this service today, I want to intro this song that was written by Natalie Grant named Burn Bright. And Taylor Friesen and Sidney Weeb learned and sang this song this past week at camp. And it very quickly became the de facto theme song of the week. And so I want to invite Taylor to come forward and we're going to close our service listening to this song. And as she comes up, I just want to share with you the words of the chorus. It goes like this. You were made to shine. You were made for life. Even if you've lost your way, Turn and you will hear love say, You were made for more, so much more. Child of everlasting light, made to blaze away the night, so burn bright. Let's pray together. Father, as we have heard your word, we have heard what you have said about us, as humbling as it might be to accept that we are your saints. And you have said of us that we are the light of the world. Through you, we embrace this identity. For your light has shone abroad into our hearts. You have dispelled the darkness within us. You have forgiven the debt of sin by nailing it to the cross. And so now you have, you have passed your torch onto us and you have said, take the light into the darkness. Invest the talents that I have entrusted with you and they will reap a harvest that will burn forever in eternity in your eternal presence. And so Lord, as we have heard your word, and as we hear now the words of this song, I pray that by your spirit you would stir in our hearts, encourage us, and challenge us today to consider how we can burn brightly for you where you have placed us. In Jesus' name, amen.